Listener Production. I'm Rosie Waterland, and in 2015, I published my first book, a memoir called The Anti-Cool Girl. It's about my childhood, my growing up, and my becoming an adult, all with mentally ill, drug and alcohol-addicted parents, child protection, foster care, caravans and couches. There were crazy and really difficult times, but also some funny times too. I'm 30 now, my mum Lisa is 53, and since the book came out, the one question I get asked more than any other is, has your mum read the book? To be honest, she didn't read it for a while because her drinking was so bad I don't think she physically or emotionally could. But I'm super proud to say that in 2016 she got sober. She has maintained that sobriety now for the longest period I've ever seen. And she has finally read the book. She has many thoughts. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) The first of which is that most of my memoir is a lie. Yeah, ouch. Now is our time to talk all about it. This is Mum Says My Memoir Is A Lie. You will be fed up before you've even left the womb. Oh, Rosie... Not even born yet and already on the run. How exhausting. At a time when you should be concentrating on not growing an extra thumb, you're being tossed around in your mum's belly while she tries to jumpstart an overheated hatchback by pushing it down a hill. I feel for you, I really do. I know that it's 3am right now and all you want to do is sleep, but your parents are currently trying to escape the clutches of some violent bikey drug dealers and they're having a little trouble getting the car started, so you may be up for a while. (laughs) You look so unimpressed already! (laughs) You see, your dad, Tony, recently decided to take control of the family's financial future by securing a job in the petty drug dealing industry. It makes sense. He already had extensive contacts from all the drugs that he and your mum, Lisa, had been, you know, taking. And with a three-year-old daughter at home, your older sister, Rhiannon, and another baby on the way, lucky you, your parents needed to start bringing in some cash. Now, I'm sure it seemed like a good idea at the time. I'm sure it seemed like a good idea right up until the moment your dad took all the drugs. (laughs) Why are you laughing? This is a lot of crap. Shut up. Can I get through it, please? Well, it's true, though. That's not true. Now, I'm sure it seemed like a good idea at the time. I'm sure it seemed like a good idea right up until the moment your dad took all the drugs instead of selling them. Not surprisingly, the whole endeavour stopped seeming like a good idea when your dad found himself in a scary amount of debt to some very scary people, and they got word to him that his legs would be broken if he didn't pay back the cash. This is why you've now woken up at 3am to the muffled sounds of your parents trying to haul ass out of Balmain without being seen. You truly are one lucky fetus. You're meant to be born in four weeks, and despite the looming due date, I know that you're still on the fence about whether or not you'd like to come out at all. I get it. Even being a bun in a dangerous oven has to be better than whatever the hell is going on out there. Your instinct to bunker down in that womb and never come out is an understandable one. But I'm afraid you have no choice, Rosie. Oh, you're going to fight it. 
You'll be three weeks late. You will rip your mum's junk to pieces on your way out. To this day, whenever you mention your birth, she gives you a look of horrified disdain that suggests you came out wielding an acid-coated machete. The look you're giving me right now. (laughs) I won't forget that. And as a last-ditch effort to avoid what you somehow know is a less-than-ideal situation, you'll wrap the umbilical cord around your neck and stop breathing for over a minute. You will make it abundantly clear you're not interested in whatever the outside world is offering you. But a slap on your wrinkly blue back will force air into your lungs and it'll be too late to go back in. You will be born, Rosie. Your mum will be screaming. Your dad will be drunk out of his mind and you will be born. I wish I could tell you that things are going to be easy outside of that belly. I wish I could tell you that you aren't about to face years of confusion and chaos. I wish I could tell you that your parents won't abandon you or that you'll never wet your pants in a supermarket while drunk. But I can't tell you any of that. I can't promise that your life will be surrounded by a white picket fence when I know that isn't true. I can tell you this, though, Rosie. Although things are going to get much, much worse before they get better, they will get better. You're not always going to be an almost human on the run from drug dealers. Things are going to change for you, I promise. You'll never learn to cook, but you will eventually grow into a semi-functional adult. So get comfortable or at least try. The car is going to break down several more times tonight. And let me explain how this all goes down. All right, Mama. That's chapter one. That's it. It's the shortest chapter in the book. Because I was only, you know, I don't remember being a fetus. No, of course not. So I was only going off. But the thing is, Rosie, I didn't get pregnant until after I'd been in tumor for two or three months. This is nutso to me because you told me so many times that you were pregnant in the car with me. No. Yes, you did. No. So I what? Wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. Okay, so what happened that night then when you and Dad had to escape? That 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 is what happened. So that's what happened. It's just that, that was you with, weren't it pregnant was Rhiannon. with Rhiannon. You were, Rhiannon, Rhiannon was, was in the car. She, but how old was Rhiannon? About three, two no, or three? No, less than that. She was okay. about one and a half. So what happened with Dad? What <laughs> he did? That's all true. So he did owe, owe money to that drug dealer over at Stanmore. In Stanmore. Yeah, and he, yes, and like he was getting um, fit speed. Yeah. Okay. And then um, instead of selling it, he was taking. He was using it. it. Were you using it? Oh yeah, I was using it sometimes. Because Rhiannon, well, because if that makes sense, but then because I always thought I can't believe Mum was using drugs when she was pregnant with me. Maybe that explains the weird dent in my forehead. But like <laughs> that, no, no, you were. So you weren't you haven't pregnant. Got a dent with, in your yes, I do. Forehead. I do, Mum. I do, okay. and it bothers me in every photo you I have see. Not. It's right there. Well, I don't know how you got that. See, look, it's like a dent. <sighs> She's already flustered. No. Okay. So I think this is the chapter that I don't This bothered you the most. This is the one that's bothered me the most. Dad and you mm. got these drugs to sell. No, I I didn't. I had nothing to do with that. So what was your job then at the time? Just looking after Rhiannon? Or yeah, is this yeah, when you just, were I was just looking after Rhiannon. Were you yet a No Lady of the no. Night? No. Not yet. So you were just looking after Rhiannon. You guys needed cash. You lived in that apartment in Balmain and you and Dad just took all the speed (laughs) instead of selling it. 
And so then when did we you- took most of it. Right. When I first had speed, I didn't even know I had had speed. Why? If I had really strong black coffee. Yeah. And your dad dissolved the speed in the coffee and I was racing around. Without the- telling you? Yes. Man, that's, that's really, first, that's fucked that's up. That's the first time I, I had it. I get sad when I hear stuff like that about dad because it just sounds like he was a oh, real fucking dick to be it honest. reminds me about black coffee. Once I drank my coffee and, and he'd put a cockroach down the bottom of it. Just to and mess I didn't with see, you. Yeah, I didn't see it until I'd drunk it all. And there was this cockroach. He was an oh, asshole. Yeah. I mean, we should say now that it came he out was, later he that he, had, he was, had schizophrenia. So he did a lot yeah. of messed up stuff because he wasn't. Particularly, and he it was never he never was treated for it. Did you think about leaving him then? If you were stuck in this apartment, Rhiannon was two, and oh, yeah. you're with this crazy uh, dude yeah. who's sneaking drugs into your no, drinks, yeah. mum. I intrume it. I do. Okay, so well then, I let's, wanted to leave intrume it. So, tumor is where you ended up because the drug dealers came after. Yeah, no, Dad. he was. He was going to break your father's uh, break your father's legs. Okay, when we left Balmain. That night. It was about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And your father was getting like very paranoid. Yeah. You know, and he'd already um, threatened the landlord with a thorn off shotgun he had. Dad had threatened the landlord. Yes, because we hadn't been paying the rent. So the landlord came around to visit. It all just accumulated, all this stuff. Wait. So dad, <laughs> dad threatened the landlord with a sawn-off shotgun. Mm, yes. So he was just going, he was losing it. Yes, I suppose. <laughs> right, okay. So then what happened that morning, That in 3 o'clock that morning? 3 o'clock in the morning, well, we had this old laser and the head gaskets had blown. Mm. And when that happens, the car overheats constantly. So what happened, we left Balmain, we had to jump start it. We lived near a hill. Yeah. We had to jump start the car on the hill, otherwise it wouldn't start. And off we went to trim it, which was like back then, without the Hume Highway, it's about a six and a half hour drive. So, <laughs> and we had to take bottles of water in the back because it just keeps overheating, like the motor's about to blow up. So you've got to constantly stop to put water in the radiator to keep the car going. So that's that's what happened. We were leaving because. Um, the threats from the drug dealer, like he was really serious. He was this uh, bikey, from this bikey from Stanmore. I think his name was Jeff or something. It was a long time ago, you know, it was more than 30 years ago. How much money did Dad owe? How much uh, speed had you taken? About three and a half thousand he owed, which is quite, would, about 30 years ago, that was quite a sizable sum of money. Yeah. Yeah, so. And so what happened that night at three o'clock in the morning that made Dad say, we're leaving right now? Well, we'd, we'd planned it. it you had planned yeah, it? Yeah, we'd already, everything oh. was packed up. Everything was packed up, ready to go. We had a, we'd organised a remove list. I don't know how your father did it, to move the stuff to tumor it, the stuff that we would. We're taking so all everything was organised. We just had to get out of there. And so, did you do it at three o'clock in the morning so that the scary biker from Stanmore wouldn't see you? Yeah, that was part of. And the, the landlord. Yeah, plus your father was obsessed with with setting off early when we had long long car trips. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did. That's so such a simple morning. domestic reason. Like you mm. had a landlord you threatened with a gun, a drug dealer after you, but then also 
dad just liked to leave early to get a, a good start on the trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Anyway, so, yeah, we got to Tumut. Um, and you went there because Grandpa lived there, right? Dad's yeah, dad Yeah, we had nowhere there. else to go, basically. Were they pissed off that you turned up? They weren't up? pissed off. They weren't even at home. They were actually away for a while. So we were there in the house for a couple of days by ourselves. In Grandma Grandpa's house? Yeah, at their home. So yeah. We were just sleeping in the lounge room on the on the carpet. And, of course, we were coming coming down off speed. So, <laughs> so was, how was that? It was horrendous, absolutely horrendous time. In a small country town. Coming down yes, off well, speed. that was the problem too in Tumut because it was such a small little town. Everyone knew any, everything about everyone, so, you know. And so then he comes, terrible. Tony the drunk, comes home with this 20-year-old, how old were you, 20, 21? 21. With this 21-year-old girlfriend because you never got married, this kid. <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> and the toddler. just turned up. Oh, they knew we were coming. No, but I mean the town. That yes, would have been yes, so much just, gossip in the town. Yes, we just turned up, yes. And so what happened then after, what happened in Tumut? Because I thought I was born a few weeks after you got to Tumut. Oh, no. So you didn't even get pregnant with me until you were there. No, no, I didn't, no. So you were in Tumut for a while then. Two years. Right. Two years all up. And so what happened then while you were in Tumut? Did Dad work? Did you work? No. Did you stay at Grandma and Grandpa's? Like, what happened? No, we actually um, found an old house on the outskirts of town. Yeah. Um, it was called the the Old Buttery. Yeah. Because there was a butter factory right there. And we rented that one for quite, it was quite inexpensive. Did you have to work? No, I didn't work, no. So how did you get money if you weren't dealing with drugs on, anymore? Just on... Um, you know, essentially, or social security as it was back then. Did grandma and grandpa help you? Yeah, they did help. They used to, like, Tumut is a freezing cold place, and they used to get um, firewood delivered to us. Yeah. Yeah, so. Did you feel trapped? Yes, it was terrible. Didn't you want to worst. That was probably the worst, one of the worst times of my life, that two years I was in Tumut, and I was desperate to leave. Why? What was so I, horrible about it? Just, I could, I knew that your father was like an outcast of the town. Yeah. And so then I was as well because I was with him. Yeah. So it was really difficult because I think I, I ended up making, I think, one friend while I was there. That's sad, Mum. And that was all. When did you get pregnant with me? Oh, about three, two months, three months later, three months after arriving there. I can't even remember that. Yeah. Date when were you devo when you found out you were pregnant again? Were you just like, no, I wasn't. Fuck. No, (laughs) I would have been. (laughs) No, I I wasn't. You can say it. I I wasn't. No, I never was. You were twenty-one, stuck in this town with this crazy man, and then, and then you got pregnant again. Yeah. So you were happy to be pregnant again. Well, I didn't really have a choice. So right. So. You're pregnant with me. Yes. What was the next nine months like? What was Dad like? Oh, he used to go to the the pub all the time. Yeah, how did he fill his days? Your dad used to go to um, Gundagai, which wasn't very far away. Yeah. And get Duramine tablets. They're diet tablets. Yeah. And he'd, he'd, and he'd get them from the chemist. And what yeah. does that do? I'm, I'm not it's, cool. It's similar, it's similar to speed, but it's not speed. 
I hate oh. that I'm such a loser that my mum knows way more about drugs. So than no, me. I don't. I not not these new drugs. <laughs> I don't God. understand any of it. So yeah, he used to. Um, unfortunately, he got caught forging a doctor's prescription because he kept on putting the script in. What? Because he, we were going through so much. Duramine. Yeah, we were going through like a box a day between us. Oh, so you were taking it too? Yeah, for a while. Mom. Not not for long. Not for long. Mm. Probably for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So he would just drink all day, take Duramine. Was it was he abusive then? Yeah, sometimes. It was mainly when he went he he was at the pub, he'd come home so blind. I used to think, Oh God, he's gonna come home soon, he's gonna come home soon. You were scared. Yeah. Because he could be, he was really abusive when he was drinking. Yeah, I didn't really put anything <clears throat> in the book about uh, him abusing you because I don't remember any of it. Um, and I really wanted to make sure the book was just filled with things that I specifically remembered. But Rhiannon, who is three years older than me, tells me that she remembers a lot about those early years in Tumut when she was little. And she, really? she remembers yeah. him um, hitting you a lot. It really upsets her. But I don't remember any of that no, at all. No, I, I, I wouldn't say that he hit me a lot. She remembers being really scared. Mm, he, he didn't hit me a lot. No. Just sometimes. Yeah. When he was intox- really intoxicated. So is there a hospital in Tumut? Tumut Hospital. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't even talk to me Actually, about that. Actually, yeah, let's talk about my birth. Okay. Let's, you, let's okay. talk about the trauma I put I you had, through. I had... <laughs> Dodgy country doctor. So what happened? You, I was late. I was really late, right? Three and a half weeks. Now it's quite a lot. I mean, if you were in in, in Sydney, didn't want to no come way out. They, there's no way they'd let it go. Because I I was smart enough not to come out. I was a genius fetus. Oh, I knew it was we, better. Here in we there. go, Rosie. <laughs> Jesus. Don't you think I'm smart? holding off as long as possible. No. Sounds like tumour was you bloody missed, awful. No, you missed out on three and a half weeks. Well, that, well that's a positive spin. <laughs> <laughs> and so you so. turned up there. Did Dad go with you? I was you? there for Because like, you told me Dad was drunk. I was there for oh, at least 12 hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was drunk. Was he, he was there drunk. the whole time? Yeah. No, no, he was drunk with Rhiannon too. Oh, so he was looking after Rhiannon while you were giving yes. birth. And he was drunk. Oh, drunk, really badly drunk. When he turned, when he finally turned up, he got there just in time. Where had he been? Drinking at home or at the pub or at, at his friend's place. Like I remember after you, just after you were born, um, you were really quiet. Mm. So I was really worried, you know, because you were so quiet. Mm. And um, yeah, the cord was wrapped around your neck. So it wasn't so breathing. Finally, they got air, yeah, and you weren't weren't breathing for a while. Mm. Finally, they uh, you know got the cord you, unwrapped it and everything. Yeah, it was you more told than a me was it more than a minute? A couple of minutes. Shivers. And you told me so that I, I turned really a bit blue. Is yeah, that yeah, is that true? Yeah. So I turned you blue. Yeah. See, I just think I just knew what was up. I was like, no thanks. Maybe I could have been way smarter than what I am, but I'm brain damaged. You never know. That's a lot of that's a long time to be deprived of oxygen, mum. I could have been in Mensa. Instead I just write fart jokes for a living. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Thank you.
So in this room, you had a doctor, a nurse, dad, drunk, out of his mind. Yeah. And you yeah. just screaming. Because I was expecting an epidural and I ended up with a natural birth. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't get pethidine. They didn't give me anything. So it, was it was just nothing. No, I didn't have anything. But anyway, yeah. A day-long labour yeah. and birth with no pain relief. Yeah. yeah. You're like Xena. Yes. If, like, one one parent's drunk, who's in charge of the name? Who picked my name? Oh, I was always in charge of the name. Like I was in charge of um, Rhiannon's name. Because a lot of people don't know my full name's Rosanna. It's a lovely name. I love it. And it bothers you that my name is, everyone calls me Rosie now. Because you say, I didn't call you Rosie. I don't say I called you Rosanna. Yes. Oh, that is your name, Rosanna. I always thought my middle name was because you and dad were like off your faces and you picked it one night. No. I didn't even know it was a real name, Ailish. No, I, it's not a real name. I made it up. <laughs> no, it is a real name. <laughs> is because, it? yes, that movie Brooklyn that came out a couple years ago about the Irish girl who moves to America, her name is Ailish. Really? Yes, and you always told me that you were this genius who made up this name. I, I thought I did make it up. But it's like an Irish name. It's, but I, I think li- it's like I a Celtic it. name. I liked it. That's so, boring. Rosanna Ailish. Yes. Waterland. Why Why didn't you give me dad's last name? Because uh, we weren't married or anything. I like that. So I was your, like yours. Yeah. Yeah. Spit feminist, mum. Good for you. Hmm. I mean, you also mentioned that I was mentally ill. I was not mentally ill. We had bipolar disorder. No, I don't. You t- I wasn't. I wasn't. Di- no, I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar disorder then. But and I'm not bipolar now either. You still. But you've maintained that you're bipolar your whole life. Cyclothymia. How can you just switch it off? It's called cyclothymia. What's cyclothymia? Rapid, rapid cycling mood. When did you when when did you that not was have bipolar 20, anymore? Twenty years ago, I was di- diagnosed with cyclothymia, which is, it's a it's a it's a. Oh my um, god! This the, is blowing my the, mind. It's one of the subtypes of um border, I mean, not borderline. Um, bipolar. Bipolar. Yeah. You've said my whole Rapid life, cycling. ever since I can remember, that you cycling. have bipolar disorder. And now we're just sitting here having a casual chat and you're just like, I don't have that, Rosie. No, I told you. Um, cyclothymia is similar right. to bipolar. Have you always known that you've had that? Why did you tell me you have bipolar? Well, because it's easier to understand. That's why I told you that. Oh, my lordy lord lord. Holy Oprah. So you don't... Okay. So That's just the other point that um, I So those with. were your two points that you disagreed with in that chapter. The order of my your pregnancy and my birth is wrong mm, and yeah. you weren't mentally ill then and now my mind is blown because you say you never had bipolar. And so, but the rest is right. Yeah. All right. So, um, shit. Chapter one, it's already wrong. <laughs> my memoir's already wrong, and it's only up to chapter you one. Know, like, I thought you'd written it because it had more of a, you know, punch for your book. That first I chapter? Thought, yeah, I thought that's why you'd written it like oh, that. Oh, you thought I'd lied on purpose? Yeah. No, I wrote that first chapter. Okay, my one rule for writing the memoir was... I will write only what I specifically remember. Mm. And if it's not something that I 
could remember. So when I was giving background on when I was a baby or something, I would go off what I specifically remembered people telling me. Mm, yeah. And so when I wrote this chapter, I wrote it based on stories that I remembered um, Grandpa Des telling me when he was alive, Dad's other extended family in Perth. But mainly this first chapter was based around stories that you had told me. No, I've, I wouldn't have. Why would I? Bullshit. Okay, so you know here's I mean? the thing. So here's what it was here's, never. It was. It, I I would never have told you that. Here's what's wrong though. Um, that you weren't pregnant when we escaped that night from Balmain. That was wrong. I thought you were pregnant with me no, in the car. No. And I was always convinced that you'd been taking all those drugs while you were pregnant with me. No. And that's why I had a dent in my head. <laughs> and then two. Um, I was like, technically not breathing or dead or not alive or whatever it is when I was born for way longer than what you said, which explains why. Two I'm minutes, not way longer. Two minutes. Well, it it explains minute. why I'm not in Mensa. You this escaped at nuts. three in the morning because you had to because it was like this super serious situation where you were hiding from the drug deals. But really, no, it was what? just. No, that was a lot. Yeah, yeah, that was. A, we had to get out of there and quickly. But also somewhat less dramatically, Dad wanted to jump on the traffic. <laughs> Well, you know, it doesn't really matter what time we left. We had to get out of there very, very quickly. Okay, so all this stuff. It doesn't matter that it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I completely believe your perspective on it. I'm totally willing to admit that I got this stuff wrong. And I made a point of not talking to you while I was writing the book because I didn't want you to start I didn't want my memories to change based on people I was talking to because I wanted it to just yeah, be what I yeah. remembered but could you possibly accept that you may have told me this stuff when you were drunk no yes mum yes no because I, no no way yes no I would never have told you that what 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 is the point of telling you that? I don't know. But That's what I mean. I so remember you telling me these stories this way. It makes absolutely absolutely no but sense, But you are Rosie. sober and in your right mind right now. You've been a heavy drinker for a long time, right? So uh, most of the quality alone time I've spent with you uh, over, you know, the last at least 15 years has been when you were drunk, drinking a lot. I'm, I'm not going to so say that I... I told you this stuff when I didn't. I know I didn't, but I wouldn't have. I feel like Simple I know as that. that you. I feel like I remember you telling me yeah, stories this way. Implanted memories. That's what you've got. I've got implanted. Yes, memories. I think so. Okay. Simple right. as that. So you you think you think it's real, but it's actually not. No, like, I don't. I'm not saying that it's real like because like, this chapter is from my perspective as a fetus. How yeah, can I know it's real? True. But I was. I honestly thought I was writing that first chapter based on the stories that you had told me about that time in Balmain and then escaping to Tumut. And I I feel like maybe you may have told me the stories that way if no. you were a bit pissed no. and maybe you were just making the story sound a bit more exciting. No, no, no. 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 Completely, absolutely unequivocal no. Yes. All right. So <laughs> my <laughs> memoir's a lie. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, first chapter anyway. <laughs> uh, thanks, Mum. <laughs> well, no, not, the, not an app. No, it's not, just, it's not an absolute lie. Because everything else happens. It was just, 
you know, when 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 I was pregnant, that's all. You well, got that wrong. Looking forward to uh, you heard all the other facts, and they were correct. Looking forward to uh, really going over the rest of the chapters with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> Are you glad you're doing this, Mum? Um, I was really nervous about it, but I feel a bit better actually being here and doing it. Do you? Why? Yeah. I I feel a lot more relaxed now. Yeah, it's, it's just fun. like it's like having a conversation. We're just chatting. Yeah. Why were you nervous? I know when I first asked you to do it, you worried that this was going to be me I did, I just accusing know, you of a lot yeah, of horrible things. I didn't things. know what, what was sort of expected of me. I didn't know what I'd have to talk about or if I anything would even come out of my mouth, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's not entirely like having a conversation, is it, when you're in a, what do you call this room? Studio? Podcast yeah. studio? Studio, yeah. Um. Are you nervous or were you nervous when I first asked you to do it because of some of the stuff in the book written about, like, my childhood, Well, about your drinking and yeah, a lot of the neglect and stuff? Yeah. Are you worried to talk about that stuff? Yeah, I am worried about that stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, the first time I read the book, I cried. Why? In quite a few places. Oh, just because of, of what you'd written. And then... then I, well, and it was like suddenly I thought, oh, the effect of my drinking and everything had on everybody mm. and my behaviour. And... Had you not really thought about that until you read it in the book? Or had you avoided thinking about it? Well, I suppose it was more because I was reading your perspective, you see. Yeah. How long did so it, it take quite... you to read it? Because I know you didn't read it for ages. Well, like I had a couple of friends who said, I said, because um, they'd read the book, they'd yeah. gone and got the book, and, like, they basically told me, don't read the book, you won't like it. Really? Yeah. So I didn't read it for a while, but you know what I'm like. Yeah. Of course I was going to read it. <laughs> I know when you were still drinking. You, I, was, I read it when I was still drinking. I know you kept trying to read it, and then you kept having to go back and read it again because you forgot what you'd read. <laughs> it wasn't so much that I'd forgotten what I read. It was just very emotionally, it was... Well, that's fair enough. I don't know. Everything was so raw just reading it. It was like it took me back to those times. Mm. Well, I mean, it's. I was worried that you would... Um, I didn't ever want you to feel ashamed or blamed for anything when I wrote it. And I, do, I tried really hard to not... You're certainly not the villain of the book. And a lot of people have come to me and said that they think you're even the sort of hero of the book. Um, because, you know, as I got older, I've come to understand that everything, the way you were and your drinking problems and your, which now I'm just my, not even bipolar, cyclothymia and all that stuff, um, you were dealing with all your own really intense traumatic stuff. And I think you handled it the best way you could, which I think comes, I hope comes across in the book. That's the way I tried to write it in the book. I didn't ever want you to feel like, the book was about throwing you and dad kind of under the bus for being these terrible parents. It was more just about, you know, a difficult childhood mm. and understanding mm. why your parents are the way they are. And, I mean, because dad died it, when I was quite young, it, you know, it mainly became about you. And so that was quite a burden for you to have to shoulder, I guess. Next episode, Mama we are going to talk about the second chapter in my book, which is called Your Mum Will Be a Sex Worker and You'll Have No Idea. 
And so that chapter is going to be about how when we lived in Tumut, you would go to Wagga Wagga and I think had sex with the truckies. No. Yes, you told me it was the truckies. I never told you. I would never have told you that because that is a lie. All right. Well, that's simple as that. That's what we're going to be talking about, and obviously we're already disagreeing, so <laughs> looking forward to it. The truckies? I don't know where you got that idea from. You told me that, Bullshit. The, that the truckies <laughs> that um, drive through Wagga Wagga all stop there to oh, get a bit of action. Oh, God, you're full of shit. I'm not. Sorry, I, I take offence to that. There's nothing wrong with truckies being your clientele. Oh, shit, I'm not. I used to go to the Intercontinental. I'm not saying you're on the side of the road. It sounds like I am. I'm just saying that they're the guys who wanted to get some. No, 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 no. This is Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie. Recording assistance by Felix Bray. Audio production by Nick Slater. Executive producer is Jamie Show. Listener.